Um, so last Sunday was Easter Sunday, and uh, it, was, it was awesome. There was this quote that I read, and I haven't been able to shake it. And so I, I preface this message with, um, with some humility and um, honestly, God has just been like, just really working some things in and through me this week. And I know that sometimes I can, I can be flippant or, um, or even, you know, funny and things like that. But I just feel like the, 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 um, the gravity of the message that, I, that I'm going to share today. So I say all that as, in that there was this quote from Tim, Timothy Keller that I quoted last Sunday at Easter. And I haven't been able to shake it all week. And this is the quote. Um, if your God never disagrees with you, you may be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. And uh, I don't know if you've ever like been in the Word or if you, you read something, maybe you're reading a book or something, and something just pops out to you and it just keeps stirring in you and you just can't shake it. You can't get it out of your mind. You can't, you, it just keeps coming back. I just want you to know many times that is the Lord just saying, I want you to linger. I want you to just, I learned that from a friend of mine, that it's the importance of lingering that uh, sometimes it, we want to just bust through and move on to the next thing, and God's like, no, 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 I actually want you to, to linger here because um, I've got more for you. And so last Sunday we talked about how many times, um, knowingly or unknowingly, we can respond to Jesus kind of like an Instagram friend, friend request. You know, we'll say, like, I'll follow you, Jesus, as long as you follow me. Um, follow me back, right? Like, if, if, you, if I'm going to follow you, then I want you to be following me. In essence, we run the risk of serving a God that's made in our own image, a God that looks like me, acts like me, talks like me, makes decisions like me, um, has the wisdom of me, um, rather than serving a God who is our creator, gives us the very breath in our lungs. And so last, last, last Sunday, Easter Sunday, we talked about how, how Jesus rose from the dead, that um, not only did he, he rise on the third day, but he just kept showing up. People walked with him, talked with him, ate with him. He met with individuals. He met with small groups. He met with large crowds. And before he ascended into heaven, he met with the remaining 11 disciples and gave them what we call to this day the Great Commission. Um, many of you read this, heard this. Maybe one of the, if you don't know much of the Bible, maybe one of the few scriptures that you're like, yes, I've, I've heard that read before. Um, it was like his mandate, his charge of what he wanted his disciples, his followers to live for and eventually for all of them to die for. And uh, Matthew 28, verse 19, I'm going to read for you that great commission. It's in Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. It says, therefore... This is words in red, Jesus speaking. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And, um, and, and what, how this all connects to that quote that I was talking to you about um, last week is I find it interesting that Jesus never called them to simply make believers. Um, he doesn't say, I want you to make even the word Christians. Um, he calls them to make disciples. And discipleship is essentially the process of committing yourself to a teacher or a rabbi in that day to, to learn from and to become more like that rabbi, more like that teacher. That's what discipleship is kind of in a nutshell. And 
And I think the, the mandate is that you and I are called to, to be and to become and to make disciples. The problem that, that I've been wrestling with, and I've, to be honest, I've wrestled with this through the majority of, of my ministry, is the thing that we face today is that we seem to create a category that we can't really find in the Bible. And I joke about following Jesus as long as, you know, he follows me back, like Instagram and all of that. But, but the question that I just want to pose to us today, and I think it's not just for New Life Church, I think it's for the American church in general, um, is ha- have we reduced Christianity to simply acknowledging a historical Jesus and giving mental assent that he is the Son of God? Have we kind of reduced, like, okay, in order to be saved, you just need to admit that, that he's real and that uh, he was the Son of God and then and everything's good? Is, like, is liking Jesus the same as being a disciple of Jesus? Is, is believing in Jesus the same as following Jesus? Like, is our definition of a Christ follower the same as Jesus's definition and, and I would say, I would say probably not. Growing up, um, I used to see it as two different things. I would see Christians, and then I would see the hyper-Christians. You know, the ones, I mean, back in the 90s, you knew the hyper ones. They, were, they had the banners and the glory hoops and the flags and the tambourines, and so you knew that they were serious. They, and then growing up, I would see, like, churchgoers, normal people, and then I would see pastors and leaders, and those people were kind of like, serious. And growing up Catholic, there were the Catholics, and then there were the devout Catholics, right? You grew up Catholic, you knew the devout ones, because they were there like every day. They went to church every morning, and you're like, man, you're devout. I didn't know what that meant, but it just meant serious, right? It just meant serious to me. And, um, and, and, and I always kind of like saw it a little bit like um, there was this idea that there was like an entry-level Christian, and then there was like an upper echelon, the, 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 the top bar of Christianity. And so you can get in at the entry level and you can stay there as long as you want. Like you can come in, just, you know, you're, you're going to get an entry level kind of Christianity. And, um, but, it, but for those of you who wanted to go to the next level, become a disciple of Jesus, well, there were classes for that. There was accountability for that. There was expectations for that. And so you can, you do you, but I'm just going to do me. I'm, I'm good entry level. Um, I'm, 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 I'm good here. And the problem that I find is that I'm, I'm, I'm unable to find that in the Bible. James chapter 2, verse 18 says this, But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you your faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Even the demons believe that there's a God and give mental assent to the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. They're, they're freaked out by it. Like they're scared. Essentially, James is saying that, that belief without some sort of corresponding action is deception at best and demonic at worst. I mean, that, that should make you shudder. Like... 
And I've been, I've been struggling with this for a long time as a, as a Christian pastor trying to lead a successful or growing church, whatever that means in today's language. Um, and the question is this, are we promoting a demonic faith in Jesus? Right? I mean, like if, if the demons believe in, in God and that and they're scared of it. They, they, they shudder. I mean, it's, it's a real thing to them. Like, are we, are we promoting a demonic faith in Jesus, a, a faith that has such a low bar that, that just believing is in, in something but having no transformational effect to our lives or to our affections? Thank you, I'm trying. Because the, fa- because the faith that Jesus requires, we see this in the Bible, in his own words, is not simply believing in him. Can you imagine if Jesus' parting words, can you imagine if the Great Commission was this? Hey, guys, listen, I'm about to send to heaven. Here's what I want you to do. Could you all just kind of stay together and just get people to believe that I'm real? Could you just do that? Just if you could just keep this thing going and that I'm real, then, then, then that's pretty much, that we're good. That, that's, that's the Great Commission. I just, just get people to believe that, that, that I'm, I'm real and that I'm not made up. But the point of coming to Jesus is, in his, in his own words, is choosing to obediently follow him. What that means is, like, I repent of my sin, which are many. I repent of my ways. I repent of my truth, which is a lie if it's apart from the truth of Jesus Christ. And I commit that, God, you are now in charge. And I'm going to walk in your ways, and I'm going to follow your truth. And sometimes that's going to be out of passion, and sometimes, many times, that's going to be out of discipline. But I choose today, I choose this day, I choose every day that you are in charge because when we choose to follow Jesus as long as he follows me then we end up worshiping at the altar of our own comfort wondering why the church is impotent and we look at the world we look at our church we look at the 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 American church in general and this is this has been kind of rolling around I'm sure for many of you just from hearing some of the amens and 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 I know that this is something that, that, that we probably at least questioned in our own lives and our own hearts and as we look at the landscape of Christianity here in America. Um, here's why this matters. Here's why this matters for, the, for you and for those that will come after you, for the next generation. Because I believe that we're currently seeing the effects of this idea, this, this other option of following Jesus, and it's affecting both inside and outside the church. And so I wrote down some questions, and I said, could it be that the reason that we're seeing such an impotent church in America has to do that we have a hard time saying no to ourselves? <laughs> Not only just saying no to ourselves, but, but how about like just more importantly, even just having a consistent yes to Jesus? Yes, yes, yes. I don't necessarily know why you're asking me to do this, but my answer is yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Okay. Could it be, and this, 
this might hit home, could it be that the moral decay that we're seeing in our culture today has less to do with the pervasive darkness all around us and have everything to do with our light being oh so dim? Could it be that there is a demonic lullaby that would keep the church asleep when she is needed the most? Could it be that we have been waiting for politicians and legislation and protests to do what only you have been called to do? Can I just tell you what I love about that testimony is that this guy just decided, I'm just going to do what it is that God called me to do. I, I'd love, I'm not waiting for a church. I'm not waiting for a denomination. I'm not waiting. I'm just going to go do because God said I'm going to start doing this. And then God says, oh, finally, somebody did what I asked them to do. Here. There you go. There's the blessing. It's like, oh, oh okay. I mean, it, it seems so simple and, and silly. But what I would say is, brothers and sisters, like, we do not have time to waste our lives feeling entitled to a nice, comfortable Christian spin on the American dream. We don't. Like, if we're to move forward in what it is that God has for us, there is this, there's this, this call to do hard things. Discipleship. Um, that has much more to do than just saying, yeah, I believe in Jesus, I give mental assent that he was the son of God. Because if you looked up and down your street, you believing something different about the divinity of Jesus than your neighbor next door to you doesn't cost you much unless it filters down into your life. Unless it starts to change the way you spend your money, the way you spend your time. If if we live and act just like everyone else around us, it's no wonder that non-Christians have no use for faith. What's the difference? You go, to, you go to church on Sunday, and I stay home and sleep. Um, we, have, we have somehow anesthetized ourselves into thinking that, that giving mental assent to the divinity of Jesus is the only thing needed to be a Christ follower. And what I, what, I'm, what I want to say today is I don't think that that is what Jesus intended. <laughs> that he's not called us to be a fan of his. He's called us to be followers of him, to be disciples of him. And can I just tell you, if you've met him, he's worth it all. If you've truly met him, Man, you, you, you understand when you see him say, come follow me, and these guys that are fishermen just drop their nets, say, see you later, Dad. I don't know when or if I will be back because I'm following this guy. It was, it was more than just a mental ascent. Yeah, you seem like a holy man with a lot of good things to say. I hope I get some stuff out of this. I'm, I'm, I'm following you. And Jesus defines for us in no uncertain terms what it looks like to move from being a fan of his to being a follower of him. And in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, let me read it for you. And we're going to kind of hunker it down in this one scripture. He says, he said to them all, this is in red again, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. 
what? And, and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? It's, it's crazy because Jesus does not lower the bar and just say, well, if y'all just show up and repeat after me, he actually raises the bar and he's like, I actually want you to grow up and follow after me. Very, very different. The first thing he says here, and you'll see it right there in, in, in verse 23, he says, deny yourself. I'm already offended. Deny. Why? Because it goes completely against what our culture tells us. Listen, if you listen to our culture, our culture will tell you, like, look, you need to find yourself, not deny yourself. You need to love yourself, not deny yourself. You need to self-identify. You need to take care of yourself. You need to do you. That means if it feels good, it must be right. If it makes you happy, do it. If you're offended, leave it. If you're attracted to it, have sex with it. If it's inconvenient, abort it. If you want it, buy it. This idea that like, it's very rare for us as Christians and non-Christians to deny ourselves. I'm already offended. Because I think that human beings like to think that um, we are rational, logical, and scientific beings. If we've learned anything through COVID, we like to think that we are rational, logical, and scientific beings. But what we know to be true about everyone other than ourselves is that humans usually make their decisions based upon their own pleasures. I can't tell you how many times I've watched people, their hearts desire win out over reason and logic. Well, let, me, let me explain to you, and, and you've, you've, you've got friends, every single one of you have friends that they, they, they stayed in the relationship, they bought that thing, they, um, they, they made that decision, and, and you looked at them, and you thought, how do you not see how wrong this is? How, why would you stay with him? Why would you? You're, you're literally going to invest in that? You have friends like this. I know you do, and you're just like, what in the world? Have you lost all reason, all logic, all anything? But they were in love. They were lust or something they thought was love, or they were deceived by the power of their heart's desire. They were unwilling to change, to listen, to, but, to budge, they, because it felt right. Because more times than not, as humans, we make decisions based upon our own heart's desire. And my, my concern as, as a pastor is this, that, is that we would forfeit God's holiness for our happiness. that we would forfeit God's holiness for our happiness. Because if our happiness trumps God's holiness, then we will continue to, to think that, God, that, that God's call to, to deny yourself is so archaic, so 1900s, even ridiculous. It doesn't even make sense. That Greek word um, for deny, interesting, can be translated to lose sight of oneself. And another translation is this, to forget yourself. To forget yourself. 
Essentially what Jesus is saying, I want you to take your eyes off of you and put them onto me. And when we do this, it changes our affections. Because I'm, I'm saying no to me. Me does not like saying no to me. I like saying yes to me all day long. He says, I want you to say no to you and yes to, to God. And when you change your affections, it'll change your behavior. I think many times we think like Christianity is kind of a behavioral management program. But, but when your love for Jesus supersedes your love for self, your behavior comes in line with your affection. You, you see that? Like when all of a sudden, I think sometimes we're like, I don't want to smoke, drink, or chew, or go with girls who do. And Jesus is like, I just want your love for me to supersede anything that you have your eyes focused on. And when you do, all of a sudden you'll find that your affections begin to change. And it's kind of the circular thing. Your affections change, and it changes your behavior, which changes your affections, which changes your behavior. And we start to find that our habits will show and shape our heart. You want to know what you love? You want to know where your affections are aimed at? Look at your habits. Look at the things that you do, where you spend your time, how you spend your, your money. Your habits will show and shape your heart. And uh, I, I, I think about this like, a lot of you maybe even learned this through fasting. I know I talked to so many of you this amazing this year as we went through fasting. I don't know if it was just this where we're at right now as a, as a body or where we're headed as a nation or what's going on in us spiritually, but so many of you took part in the five-day fast. And I'm not talking about like fasting Facebook, which you all should be doing. Um, I'm talking about fasting food, and I can't tell you how many people are like, I, I've never done this before, I've never done it this long, and it was so impacting. Why? Because you said no to yourself. And all of a sudden you realized, I can say no to myself. I, 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 I don't have to say yes to everything that comes up. In other words, the phone will still ring, but I didn't have to answer it. Does that mean hunger went away? No. Day two, I was stinking hangry, right? Does that mean anger goes away? No. In fact, day three, my wife and I got in a little bit of a... Eh. It doesn't mean that all those things go away. It means that the phone is ringing and I don't have to answer it. So that means when greed comes up, when lust comes up, when anger comes up, when hunger comes up, when all those things that rise up and we just answer the phone, yes, 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 hello, 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 it means that you can let it ring and somebody be like, aren't you going to answer that? You always answer that. Whenever somebody does that, you always answer that in anger. Whenever you see that person spend that, you always answer that in greed. Whenever that thing, whenever you're alone, you're on, on the internet, you always answer that and click on it with, with lust. Like, no, the phone can ring and you don't have to answer it. I, I, I long for a day where a church of Jesus Christ wouldn't have to answer the call of sin and just say, leave a message. I don't got time for you. Leave a message. Aren't you going to answer that? No. I don't have to answer it. I don't have to answer the call. Leave a message. Leave a stinking message. So if, if you found yourself like growing in your five-day fast, I just want you to know you don't have to wait till next year to do it. Monday's coming. Okay, um, but make it a habit. Make it intentional. Um, say no to yourself even when you can afford it. Ooh. Say yes even when it's inconvenient. Ouch. Okay, I'll move on. Luke 9, verse 25. 
Um, he, he says this in verse 25, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? It seems like Jesus is saying, in gaining all the things that we want, are we losing the one thing that we need? And accumulating all the things that we want and saying, yes, are we actually losing the one thing that we need? Because Satan always offers on the temporal level what God has promised on an eternal level. He did this with Adam and Eve. He did this when he tempted Jesus. What makes us think that that is not his end game and the exact same strategy for every single one of us? Can I encourage you? Don't let the devil cause you to believe that the thing that is dangling right in front of you is better than the thing that God has for you. It's okay to say no and yes to him. Number two, he says, take up your cross daily. Matthew 10, verse 38. He says later on, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. What? There is this call to do hard things. I have this friend who was applying just a couple months ago to be a member of this certain club, and the he was telling me about all the things that he had to do and there was like an application process and he had referrals and a background check and he had to commit to volunteer hours and you had to do all of these things. And I literally was like, man, you, and you got to pay dues and it's really high. And I'm like, what in the world? Like, why would you want to be a part of, of something that you had all these expectations to become members? And his reply, I'll never forget. This is what he said. He said, people have little respect for an organization that has low expectations of their members. I thought, whoa, isn't that true? People have low, expect, low respect for an organization that has low expectations for their members. But it, it always has been the hard and the sacrifice that makes anything worth it. It's precisely why Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 13, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only few find it. He's saying following Jesus is the narrow road, and it's not for everybody. No one drifts towards holiness. I, I guarantee you, you have not drifted into holiness you have not one day all of a sudden been like, oh my goodness, I didn't even, I'm not even trying. I am literally the holiest person I've ever been and I'm not even trying. I had no idea. I just kind of drifted into it. No, we drift into compromise and call it tolerance. We, we drift into disobedience and call it freedom. We drift into, into witchcraft and superstition and call it faith. Like those are, those are how we drift. We don't just drift into holiness. He's saying following Jesus is the narrow road. In other words, like it's difficult to stay on. It is swimming upstream. It is going against the grain, against the wind. He says, take up your cross and this word daily. What? Like, like every day? Yeah. Yeah. Because you know the days you don't pick it up, <laughs> don't you? He says, take up your cross daily. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and lastly, follow him. 
follow him. Jesus had all kinds of followers when um, he was on this earth. He had people who were his disciples, the core. He had people who were his fans. He had people who were intrigued by his words. He had people who were just kind of showing up for whatever he was handing out, whether that was food or miracles, whatever that was. But Jesus knew that even though they were showing up, it didn't mean that they were following him. You know that? Just because the crowd was there, he never misunderstood or got intoxicated by the numbers to think like, man, guys, have you seen? Hey, 12, come here, look at this. Look at all these followers. He knew they were a crowd. He knew that just because people were showing up, it didn't mean that they were actually following him. In John chapter 6, Jesus feeds 5,000 men, and he does it with five loaves and two fishes, and... Um, the people loved him. He's a rock star. That night after he feeds all of these people, he talks to his disciples and they decide, let's get into a boat. We're going to cross over to the other side of this body of water and we're going to start ministering to another group of people. John 6 verse 24. Once the crowd realized that Jesus, neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into their boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. So finally the crowds find Jesus. And they're essentially kind of like, Jesus, my man, where you been? I've been trying to follow you, man. You're a hard time guy to pin down. Like, we've been looking everywhere for you, all over the place. And Jesus' response is really interesting. He says in verse 26 in red, Very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. In other words, like, um, y'all are following me for a free lunch, w whatever you can get out of me. And, and before he drops the mic and, and, and walks off, Jesus says something that's really interesting for, I think, not just for these people, not just for the crowd, but for everyone that would come after him. In verse 27, he says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life which the Son of God, Son of Man, will give you. It's this, in other words, like, I'm not calling you to follow me as I follow you. I'm calling you to follow me. Not just for food that spoils, but for the eternal promise. And then in this same chapter, Jesus starts talking crazy talk. After this, you can read it for yourself. I mean, he starts saying crazy stuff. He starts talking about, if you, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And he says things like, you'll have no part in me unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. And it, you almost have to think that like Jesus is literally trying to thin out the crowd. And then I notice in John 6, 66, it's interesting that it's John 6, 6, 6. I'm just going to leave it there. I noticed that as I was reading. I was like, oh, John 6, 6, 6, oh, okay. It says this in verse 66 of John chapter 6. From this time, many of the disciples turned back and no longer followed him. In other words, his followers started unfollowing. Jesus got canceled. Maybe because they didn't like the words that he was speaking, maybe because they didn't like them or they didn't understand them. I don't know. Maybe because they did understand them, but they didn't like them. Maybe because 
it was no longer very popular to be a follower of Jesus. And he turns and looks to his disciples, and in verse 67, he says, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. In other words, I may not always like what you have to say, and you may even offend me, <laughs> but I am following you. And that means that when you disagree with me, you win. That means when, when God, when, when, when you disagree with me, I change my mind. Like, I, I submit to an all-creator God, not the other way around. Because while my friends and myself, um, the culture around me may have winsome words that sound good, Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. Where else can I go? Am I going to try to, to follow whatever I think it is good and what feels right? I've tried doing that. That hasn't led me anywhere good. Am I going to try to be swept up by the ever-changing ideas of an ungodly culture? Or worse, Christians, are we going to stay one click to the conservative side of whatever our culture says and call that Christian? Call, call that Call that Christian or Christianity? Like, church, either it's all true or none of it's true. Like, he has the words of eternal life. But what if I don't agree? You win. You win. To whom shall we go? Why don't you stand with me? I just want to encourage you today. This, I know it's a sobering message. I, I, I pray that it sparks something in you to take things further than believing in Jesus, but actually asking him, Lord, what is it that you're calling me to do and I choose this day to submit my will, my ways, my truth to your truth? And when my God disagrees with me, I choose to worship him. I choose to worship him. Hmm. I want to leave you with a scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I love how Paul writes about what it, what it means to be a disciple. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And then he goes on, and he, he talks about the, the difficulty, the the, the, the the hard things that we're called to do. He says, we're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, 
but not destroyed. He's reminding us, he's like, church, you have a treasure on the inside of you. You have power to live. You have power for love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You have all surpassing power. Not from yourself, it is from God. And you may be hard pressed on every side, but you are not crushed. You may be perplexed. You may be anxious about everything that's going on, but you are not in despair. You may be persecuted, or you will be soon, but you are not abandoned. You may feel like you are struck down, kicked down, canceled, but you are not destroyed. Let me just tell you, I I just want to remind you that our God is not up wringing his hands thinking, what are we going to do with everything that's going on in this world today? He is not gathering around the Trinity, huddled up thinking, how are we going to handle the Biden administration? Oh my goodness, this is... He's not. He's not. He, He thinks, I've been on the throne, I continually am on the throne, and those who follow after me walk in the all-surpassing power that is available to them that is irregardless of what's going on around them. And if my church would go past just the mental ascent, of course he's real, of course it's true. Every historian would, would say, yeah, yeah, obviously it's... If we would move past demonic faith and say, Jesus... I choose this day to follow you even if I don't agree. And when I disagree with you or you disagree with me, you win. You win. And, I, and I'm not going to ask you to, to acquiesce to my demands, but Jesus, I fall under your command. Today and every day. If that's your heart, I just want you to lift your hands up. Lord Jesus, I pray for each and every single person within the the earshot of my voice today that the true gospel of Jesus Christ would reign in our land and in our church and in our hearts. Lord, we come against the, the idea that you just call us to believe that you're real. And walk into the reality of saying, Jesus, I choose to follow you even when it's hard, especially when it's hard, because it's a hard that makes it worth it, and you're worth it all. Wake us up. Wake us up. Wake us up. Jesus, I pray that as we walk out these doors, we realize that we're walking into a battle zone um, and that we're armed with more than just a good argument. The very power of Jesus Christ to set captives free, that when we pray that we will see the sick healed, the lame walk, the addicted set free. Lord Jesus, may we walk in faith again. you are everything that you say that you are and you will do everything you say that you will do and we trust you we trust you fresh today may we deny ourselves take up our cross today and follow you all the days of our life lord have your way in jesus name we pray amen 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 god bless you have an amazing week go in god